Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 199 with Eric Fisher. Eric is the man behind the Beyond the To-Do List podcast, a fine show and a source of inspiration for me to start my podcast adventure. So I'm grateful to him for the inspiration and for the wisdom he shared here today. So you're going to learn, one, how to manage your energy for peak productivity, two, the power of hydration, and three, why shorter to-do lists beat longer ones. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced here, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep199. Now here's Eric's story. Eric is a productivity author, podcaster, speaker, and coach. He talks with real people who practically implement productivity strategies in their professional and personal lives. You'll be refreshed and inspired after hearing how others fail and succeed at daily productivity and continue to lead successful and meaningful lives. So thanks to Eric for taking some time to chat with us and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. It's a trying time that challenges all of our basic assumptions. However, one thing that brings us all together is our common humanity. Now more than ever, teams must come together and work together to solve big challenges. And Trello is here to help. Trello, part of Atlassian's collaborative suite, is an app with an easy-to-understand visual format plus tons of features that make working with your team functional and just plain fun. Teams of all shapes and sizes and companies like Google, Fender, and even Costco all use Trello to collaborate and get work done. With Trello, you can work with your team wherever you are, whether it's at home or in an office. No matter what device you're using, computer, tablet, or phone, Trello syncs across all of them, so you can stay up to date on all the things your team cares about. Keep your workflow going from wherever you are with Trello. Try Trello for free and learn more at Trello.com. That's T-R-E-L-L-O dot com. Trello.com. Here's Eric. Eric, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Well, I'm delighted to have you here because I was listening to your show, Beyond the To-Do List, back in the day before I decided to start this podcast. And we've been getting more and more guest questions about productivity. So I think we're going to have a ton of fun. Sweet. I'm looking forward to it. Well, so I'm intrigued. First of all, you have a bit of a history as a bacon connoisseur. I'm a bacon lover myself. What's the story there? Yeah. So I will say this. There's probably two things as far as the internet goes that are just standard memes. One is cats. The other is bacon. You know, those are those things go hand in hand since the internet has been uh, mainstream somewhere in the mid 2000 range, somewhere in there. Anyway, once social media took off, any kind of posting of the word, you know, the word bacon even or pictures of bacon uh, just took off. So I started doing that. I started to uh, mark, you know, my posts with the bacon and, <laughs> and, and so I got known for that. But what was funny was then I was getting people posting on my Facebook wall all the time saying, Hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And, and it got a little old to be honest. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I got branded as the bacon guy and I don't need that. You know, like I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need tons of no, I already have too many notifications on Facebook as it is. So so that was the story of that up until a certain point. And, and I still have bacon, but I honestly 
uh, I've cut way back and, uh, because it's just not great for me health wise. So, okay. Well, it's good to set the record straight. And likewise, my wife expressed concern when I was eating bacon almost every day. (laughs) Yeah. And so I too have cut back, but I do savor the opportunity when it arises. Yeah. I mean, Hey, it's tasty. It, is awesome whenever it's on something and especially in unique uses, I'm all for it. But, uh, you know, overdoing it (laughs) and, uh, you're pretty much asking for trouble. Okay. All right. So the story is now straight on you and bacon. And now can you share for those who are not yet familiar, you know, what's kind of the ethos or the vibe behind beyond the to-do list? Yeah. Uh, well I started it because I've always been interested in productivity mostly because I needed it. I needed to figure out my systems. I needed to talk through stuff. I needed to uh, study and learn up on it. And that's, you know, what I needed to do in terms of having ADHD and being diagnosed with it, but not really finding that drugs were the answer. Those kind of made me feel uh, less focused (laughs) and more tired than, than anything. And so I decided then after I'd had some experience with podcasting and being a co-host on a couple different shows uh, to try my hand at doing a solo show, although it's a solo show in name only because I'm talking with guests anyway, most of the time. And the whole idea behind beyond the to-do list is this idea that it's not just about productivity in the standard way of looking at productivity, where it's time management or calendars or email or project stuff. It's all about all of it. It's not just that stuff, but it's how it's the fringe stuff. It's the things that we don't often think about have to do with sabotaging our productivity if we don't pay close attention to them. Mm. Well, now I'm intrigued. Could you give us an example of a fringe item that can just be destructive if we ignore? Well, sure. So uh, let's go back to the bacon. Like eating horribly consistently is going to wear you down. And Michael Hyatt is one of the few people that really points this out as saying, you know, productivity has way more to do with energy management than time management. You can manage your time pretty well, but if you don't have any energy or you're not managing your energy throughout the day, throughout the week, uh, and even seasonally, then you're going to have no ability to do the things that you've been so good at managing your time about getting to do. Yes, Oh, you know what? That was actually something I absolutely wanted to cover. And so let's talk about it now. Energy management. That's been high on my mind. We had a great guest, Bradley Stolberg, talk about growth is equal to stress plus rest and making sure you're doing enough of that and good timings. So can you share with us, you know, what have been some of your discoveries in terms of the optimal approaches to managing the energy part of the game? Sure. Well, I will say this, and I've been a, been on a kick of this a lot recently, even put out a, a solo episode about it where I was talking about it myself. But I feel like hustle is this word that everybody's using. But Oh, hustle, bro. You yeah. got to hustle. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Like, Here's the thing. The word hustle to me, and if you look it up, it does say it like this. It states it definition-wise as a burst. So it's a quick burst of speed. It's not you know, it's hustling down the field. Well, the field has an end goal. It has a has an ending to it. And then you stop the hustle. Mm-hmm. So the word hustle for me is the equivalency of, oh, I have till the top of the hour to finish this task and then I'm done. So I better hustle so I can get it done. Not, oh, I'm going to hustle 
all the way through the rest of the evening, continuing to work and ignoring people and family and relationships and responsibilities as well. I, I just think that it's overrated, this whole idea that the, the, the wrong, the wrong sense of what that word is. So, mm. but the point that I'm trying to get to is you have to take time off. You have to rest. You have to, uh, pause. And, you know, some people, especially entrepreneurs are out there thinking, well, I have to work six to seven days a week. I have to work. I have to put in my 60 plus hours a week, or I'm not going to make this thing grow. And the thing is, is that if that's the road that you're taking, if that's the path that you're going to go down, then you're going to end it much quicker because you will burn out. And so that's the thing for me right now that I'm really focused on is the fact that, I have to rest. Like I cannot work all weekend after having worked a full work week or more. I just, I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. I'm useless. I'm <laughs> cranky. I'm irritable. I get, I then do poor work. So, <laughs> you know, I'd rather put in, you know, I'd rather put in four good days and take one day and then two days or something, you know, and I don't do that necessarily, but, uh, yeah, I, I try to block off. I'm in I am being incredibly intentional now about my weekend time. And I actually even started a little bit early on Friday uh, because we do some heavy lifting stuff on Friday. And then I kind of do a little bit Sunday night to kind of make up for that. And then I block the rest of that off. And I'm just like, no, it's my time. Like I'm, I'm not staring at it. I'm not even trying to stare at screens. I'm trying to read or be face to face with people at that point. Mm -hmm. Well, Eric, I love hearing an impassioned stance <laughs> on rest and its importance. I am right with you there. So I guess part of the rest ball game is simply not just going crazy, you know, for seven straight days or 60 plus work hours in a week. What are some of your other sort of best practices and pro tips when it comes to resting well and strategically and smart? Yeah. So I recently had a conversation with a friend and I said, okay, he and his spouse, they both are pretty busy people and they have three kids. And I said, how do you guys take time off? How do you guys rest? And he said, well, uh, we play defense for each other when it comes to the kids over the weekend so that one of us gets more time at one point and then the other gets more time at the other point. And we mm. also try to, uh, they also try to take time where even if it's not going to work out very well to do that coverage kind of thing where they give each other at least like an hour or two of, you know, re purposeful recharge time. And, and that's one of the other key pieces is like you could not be doing something and that's great and that's not working. But some people don't go all the way to the other, you know, they plug the I like to look at it this way. They plug the charger cord to their cell phone of their life. They plug it into their phone, but then they forget to plug the other end into the wall and and purposely or purposefully reach actually recharge. Mm -hmm. Just because you're unplugged from work doesn't mean you're then plugged in to recharge through those life-giving activities or non-active intentional non-activities that you have open to. Okay, I dig it. 
So part of it's just sort of your mindset and your intention sort of stepping into, you know, that kind of experience. So you've had David Allen a couple of times. Yes. And as have we, an awesome guy. And I think he says something like, there's a world of difference when you're having a beer to escape from, you know, you're crazy or you're the stress, the mess around you versus having a beer like intentionally, purposefully, like this is the best thing I can choose right now. And I choose it. And you rejuvenate deeply in that way. Totally. Yeah. That, and that's a great way to put that. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to escape and it's another to turn around and do a 180 and actually actively recharge. And the same exact activity could be, you know, and that's, the, that's why you got to know yourself. That's why you've got to study yourself in the way that you work best, because that same activity could be done either way on that switch where you could either be not charging from it or charging from it based on your perspective or how you approach it. Mm, okay, that's so good. So a part of it is just saying, this is now the time in which I am resting, like the rest of the world can wait for me. <laughs> you know, I'm unavailable <laughs> at the moment. So that's that. And then what are some of your findings in terms of the most effective, rejuvenating, powerful means of recharging? Well, first and foremost, a nap always helps. <laughs> yes. I am more of a napper now than I ever used to be. I used to hate them when I was a kid. Uh, I don't think that I ever argued about it, but uh, like my kids do at least. But I know, and I've seen this, like my wife, Sunday afternoons, like she'd conk out for three hours or more if she could and often does. And I am finding that I'm doing that more now. And even on a Saturday, we'll do the same thing. I'll technically, you know, I'll lay down for half hour, 45 minutes, not to get too groggy. I'll kind of have a, um, an alarm on my, or a sleep watch kind of alarm thing going on on my watch. And so that it'll wake me up after, you know, 30 to 40 minutes so that I'm not into a sleep cycle and then just like groggy the whole rest of the day. And I'm, I pop up, get back into the sunlight and I'm wide awake and it, it really rounds out some of the fatigue, uh, if you will, from the work week. And, and again, I'll do it on Sunday as well. Yes. Okay. So naps are great. What else? Uh, hydration. Jeez. I've got my water bottle sitting right here and I've already had this. I think this is my third one today. So staying constantly hydrated. And I don't mean like downing a whole bottle all at once because then you're rushing off to the bathroom, but parsing it out throughout the day so that your body's actually using the hydration. It actually will use it instead of having excess, making you have to get up and go all the time. You know, Eric, it's funny we're talking about this right now because yesterday, just because this is the kind of guy I am, I was digging deep into some studies about the impact of dehydration. Mm -hmm. And it's intriguing how, you know, they didn't find a statistically significant difference on everything they tested, but they did on many things they tested. And all it took to invoke this dehydration was just a little bit of extra walking on a treadmill. And the dehydration level was less than like 1% of their water weight. And, you know, I weigh about 200 pounds. Hey, we're disclosing. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little above that, but not too much. <laughs> and so, and I've absolutely had my weight fluctuate by more than two pounds from one day to the next. So it's like, wow, it's pretty easy to get dehydrated enough to suboptimally impact your performance. Even if you think, oh yeah, well, I'm having a sip, but I'm thirsty. It's all good. I don't believe it is all good. And I, I guess that's a little bit controversial amongst some folks in the space. Yeah, my take is, is if you're drinking it, if you sense that you're thirsty, you're already into de the dehydration mode mm -hmm. because, you know, your body's already past a point of trying to tell you it needs something. It's kind of like how 
you uh, are low on sodium or some some other vitamin in your body and your body sends signals and you start getting hangry. And it's like you can't have you don't have any control, self-control over what you want to eat. You're just like, I got to have something now. Get, you know, feed me. Right. Okay. So that lack of self-control is kind of the issue there. But yeah, having hydration consistent throughout the day uh, is more beneficial to me, your mileage may vary, than coffee. Mm-hmm. So take with that what you will. Well, final thought on the energy point. Let's talk the caffeine side of the equation for a bit. Where do you come out on this one? I mean, caffeine's fine. I think that for me, I'm finding in my testing that having it from coffee or at least too much from coffee can get me in an anxiety type of uh, place uh-huh. way too quickly. If I take it in a tea and go slower, uh, I think that it lasts longer or its its effects are drawn out and less um, shot to the heart. <laughs> cool. All right. So energy, so important. Glad we hit it like right away. I'd love to get your take on when it comes to a productivity system, you know, what do you think are just the essential ingredients or components that everybody, quote unquote, should have up in there? Sure. Well, b- before you go into, um, you know, a lot of people are asking me, you know, what are the best, what's the best productivity tool? And, yeah. you know, and, and what they mean by that is, hey, there's a bunch of different task management apps or different pieces of information, sorry, pieces of software like that out there, which one's the best? And I don't even like going down that road. What I want to do instead is say, uh, for, for a task management system, you have to cover a few different bases. You have to have a, you have to cover a communication component, which for the most part is email, but that also comes in play with, you know, different social inboxes or text messages or even phone calls. People still use the phone, by the way. Mm-hmm. I still prefer it for some, for a lot of things, actually. Um, so communication standpoint, uh, a place to capture incoming tasks so that you have them in a place when you're then ready to deal with them and assign them a time and a place and, um, a priority. Uh, speaking of time, you then have to have a calendar. Mm-hmm. So there's that component. And then outside of that, I don't know that you really need much else in terms of a system other than making sure that it works for you and helps you to get done what it is you've either agreed to do by expectation and relationship with someone else, whether that's a boss or a coworker or a spouse, or yourself, uh, or you are able to be flexible enough and know where you are on the different things that you've said you would do and time and place and space and all those things, uh, that when something new comes in, you can pretty quickly take a look at it and triage it and say, okay, how important is this new thing that's coming into my system? And, you know, whether it be an email, a phone, a text, whatever, and say, oh, I know what to do with that without having to think about it too hard. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're saying whatever tools you use, that's what you got to have in play. Okay, gotcha. And so I want to cover something that seems to be a little bit controversial when I'm working with folks is it seems that 
in my experience, those who are not hardcore productivity enthusiasts, <laughs> you know, like us, will often sort of not have a dedicated task management application, you know, like an OmniFocus or like an Outlook Tasks, etc. And they'll just keep it in their email inbox or their calendar. I'd love to get your take on, you know, for any listeners out there, are there some dangers in playing that game or is it all good? So when I said you need a place to capture stuff, like that's the place that I I think that it's dangerous. Here's the thing. Like it doesn't have to be software. It could be literally, I mean, you can go old school. You can literally have a day planner or some sort of handwritten, you know, tangible analog system when it comes to this. The, the issue here is just making sure again to not let balls drop or to let things slip through the cracks you have to put things in the right context. You have to put them in the right place on the calendar or in the right place in terms of a file folder that you know that you'll come back to at the the appropriate time in the right context, those kinds of things. So that's, and, and then again, that's what a digital system is so good at. It's being able to say, hey, remind me about this thing on this date, which is either the day it's due or because it's a quick and easy one or ahead of time because I know how I am and I'm going to need it like a week to work on that thing. So it's ready and done and completed before that due date, so to speak. So mm-hmm. it really is all about knowing how you best approach these things yourself personally. It's not about the system. And, and again, when so here's here's my my real pitch when it when people ask me, hey, which uh, which productivity uh, tasks, you know, is it OmniFocus? Is it is it is it Nosby? Is it and I just say. Honestly, they've all got free demos. Go try them out and see which one works the best for you user interface wise, because the only one you should be using is the one you're going to actually use. Right. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you there. And so when it comes to thinking through these systems and, you know, this set of tools, what in your experience do you see people kind of get off track the most often? Like, is there a commonly occurring mistake or error or frustration point that folks bump into? And what advice do you have for that? Sure. Well, I mean, again, the the way it breaks down or the way that the breakdowns happen is just neglect. If you have a system in place, even if it's minimal, at least keeping up a minimal system is better than nothing. Because Think about it like, you know, your the oil on your car, having it changed every certain amount of time, you know, they say 3,000 miles or whatever. You're, mm-hmm. And if you just, just suddenly decided to stop doing that for three months, six months, nine months, and you start hearing clanging or things are running a little bit like wonky in your car, you're like, what is that? I don't know. What, what's going on here? And then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm way overdue for an oil change. Well, that's what happens with these systems. We let something drop or we, it's not that we let something drop. It's more so that we just let the system drop. We trust ourselves a little bit too much instead of taking a quick peek and saying, what's on my agenda for this day? What's on my agenda for this week? What's coming up in terms of vision casting for the next month and the next few months so that I know what's coming and I can sit and deal with it. And and I highly encourage people to even take five minutes at the beginning of the day, at least, and five minutes near the end of either the work day or the real day, the end of the, the, the day itself, sundown, whatever you want to call it, to do this. And then take maybe a, a longer stretch once a week to kind of map out the following week. 
I find this is hugely beneficial. All right. So let's recap. And during those five minutes, you know, what are the key things you're knocking out or the questions you're asking yourself? So I take a look and I say, okay, have I overloaded this day first off? Because if I do, I'm not going to get it all done. I'm just not going to. So what I try to do is make sure, okay, first and foremost, check the calendar. What's on the calendar that must be done today? Is, is, there, uh, is there something in the timeline today, a, a monumental um, moment where I have to be somewhere at a certain time, whether it's physical or digital? And once I know that, then I say, okay, if there's something there that's, you know, if there's a two-hour meeting, okay, I'm not going to get as much done the rest of the day because probably I should be prepping for that meeting beforehand. I may have some follow-up to do after that. Half my day is already shot. So what one other most important thing that's either already on my task list for that day uh, can I do? Or are there a couple of bunch, you know, a couple of uh, smaller things that I can knock out and feel like I can get some quick wins? And especially have I, you know, have I overloaded the day? Because if there's stuff here that's too much for me to get done today and I don't get it all done and I carry it over to the next day and just keep letting that stuff carry over, then I'm going to start to feel worn down like I'm not getting things done. I'd rather have a small list of a few things and get them all done and end the day saying, ah, I checked it all off. And again, there's a rhythm and there's a, a muscle memory of this to, a, to an extent where you do this often enough and then you stop putting as many things on days and you kind of let them breathe a little bit and you only you, – you get more of a, a natural rhythm to, oh, okay, so I see on this day I've got this and this. So what's one thing I could do that day aside from those, this one thing? Okay, and then that's a good day. I've accomplished three major things. Okay, cool. And so I think that that is often the case and I get into the cycles of, ah, you know, this feels great and I'm rocking and then into cycles where it's almost like I'm just not honest with myself. It's like Mm -hmm. I put it on the list and it didn't belong there and I didn't take a careful allocation of likely, you know, time and energy required versus time and energy available. And I think that that's a big part of the game is just, man, being real with yourself and acknowledging that it's not all going to be done. And I don't know, it's almost makes me think about people taking a hard look at their credit card debt or something. It's like, oh, it's, totally it's there. Like that. It's there. Yeah. And you can't pretend it's not. So what are you going to do about it? And, and making the hard prioritization calls. So if you got any takes on that, I'd love to hear it. I mean, in some ways, I think maybe it's just going to hurt no matter what. It's like the dismal science of economics. There's more we'd like to do than we have resources to do. But when it comes to prioritization, you know, how can we make it hurt a little bit less? Uh, Well, (laughs) I don't know that I can make it hurt any less. I can say this, that if you're thinking on a macro level or you have those macro level thoughts down somewhere that you can revisit them and say, oh my gosh, I I just feel this day is shot. Like it's only 10 a.m. and this day is shot. What am I doing the rest of this day? I don't know. That you can pull that out and look at it and say, okay, I, I know where it is I ultimately am wanting to get to. And even if I don't fully remember or haven't really picked up my task management system or or whatever, and I don't have anything else on the rest of this day, like what is something, you know, let me pick one of my goals and just see if I can't like pick something small, one small piece of that and work on that and just check it off. The other route that you can go with that it, when you have one of those kinds of days is just say, 
all right, I know I've got a list around here somewhere of all those little piddly things that like I can just turn on some music that's going to lift my mood and do that instead. And it doesn't require my, you know, full attention. I can shred some documents. People still do that, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can uh, back up my, my laptop. I can charge my batteries. I can, you know, and you've got all those different things. And then suddenly you're like, oh yeah, I can clean my desk off. Suddenly you're, you're feeling better because of the music or, you know, even have a little tablet with some Netflix playing. Go ahead, cheat a little bit. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And do that and then get some of those other little things. I mean, again, a lot of the time it's a lack of momentum and it's feeling, you know, that feeling of lostness is maybe also uh, partly a cry saying, uh, oh yeah, I didn't really rest like we were talking about earlier. So, mm -hmm. and it creeps in in like this horrible mood. Oh, that's good. So I've had to do all those things. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. Thank you. You've got a world of content you've created when it comes to improving focus and decision-making. Can you share with us uh, some of your biggest insights you discovered there? Yeah, focus is a huge thing for me. And I, I've had to, even in part of my weekends where I'm trying to unplug and, and not even do work, I'm basically not even trying to do anything. I'm trying to stay off you know, for all the benefits of social media that there are, like I'm trying to just stay off it completely almost when it comes to the weekends. And, you know, and, and, and that's more of a training my mind. That's almost like a, uh, Cal Newport, when I talked to him recently, he, he said, um, you know, most people now they're standing in line at the grocery store and they're waiting. And so our, we have trained our minds to have the default response that if we are waiting for something, that's wrong. And we should pull out our phone and distract ourselves and get a hit of dopamine off any app we can. And what I'm trying to do is essentially detox my brain from that so that I don't have to do that. And I can actually have uh, a less wired or less Wi-Fi even uh, brain. <laughs> so mm, That's good. Well, so it makes great sense. And I know Cal has some great thoughts about being bored and why you need it. And it's helpful. And mm -mm. that's good stuff. That's fantastic. And and what else? So then what I try to do from doing that is, it, you know, in putting in that in, into practice and having that be part of my weekly ritual, I'm trying to pull that then back in to my week, uh, whether it's in the evenings when we let the house go dark and, uh, you know, we start to close the the blinds and the windows and lock the doors and we get to a certain point and it's, you know, screens go off for everyone and it's now either board game time or it's, um, you know, reading time, different things like that. And that's more of a family thing uh, and even, you know, individual. If, if nobody's around, like I try to do that myself anyway. Um, so that then bringing this back into the specific productivity world and how focus, it, it, it's essentially think of all those things that I just talked about as me doing either mental um bodybuilding or mental, uh, cardio. Okay. And so now my mind, uh, whether conscious or subconscious has the ability to pause and focus and pay attention to things right in front of me when it's necessary. And I can do that easier because the strength of my mind to do that has been built up. Okay. And so then this makes me think about mindfulness stuff as well. Are you up on board there? Yeah, a lot of that. I mean, that word means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, mindfulness to me means being aware. 
Okay. And so I, I will go there. I don't do a ton of like, I, I am doing my own version in a sense of meditation and mindfulness and practicing that by all those things that I just said. And I think I'll go there a little bit further and and deeper as time goes on, but I'm kind of reclaiming. It's almost like, it's almost my, like my mind got flabby and mm. I'm slowly moving more towards getting it back into uh, peak performance. Oh, I like that peak performance. That's my language. <laughs> well, so now I want to hear, you know, you've interviewed nearly 200 people on beyond the to-do list. I'd love to hear if there have been just a couple of ideas, nuggets, takeaways, quotables that just made you go, whoa, you know, in terms of just being transformational and hard hitting. Yeah, um, there, there's been so many. And so it, it, I actually, you know, I'm one of the things that I really enjoy doing is going back and listening back to my show. Um, yeah. I, I, I actually just did that. A little while ago, I went back and listened to one a couple weeks ago that was from a year ago, and it was uh, the author Rob Bell was on, and he was talking about his latest book at the time was um, uh, How to Be Here. And and the whole thing was about it was being present, you know, maybe being mindful was another component of that, if you want to call it that. But one of the aspects that really, and one of the reasons I revisited it was this idea that he brought up about craft versus success. And that people often feel stuck in the place that they're at vocationally or relationally or uh, a number of different other ways because they're looking at it from am I being success successful in this versus the approach of having it be a craft. And even Jeff Goins recently, uh, well, his string of, of interviews now uh, has this thread going through it as well that – the energy spent on something, even if that thing isn't the thing you should have been doing, uh, in the end isn't wasted because you've been gaining experience and been gaining uh, practice and experience in that that area. And so somebody who's, say, a, I don't know, they're, they're, they are quote unquote stuck in a job right now that they don't really want uh, or don't really enjoy that's not a wasted job. One, you're getting a paycheck, so that's great. But two, aside from that, having that craft mentality and approaching it from a mastery perspective and being able to really kind of say, okay, how can I hack this? How can I be the best at this, even if it's not the thing that I know I'm going to do forever? And then to take that forward, um, it, it's just a matter of, one, it's a matter of character, but two, it's a matter of how, how much more equipped is that person moving forward when they really do get to those other things? Because uh, that they're more meant to do, that they're they're calling and so forth. Because not all of us at this point are going to be doing the same thing for for the entire rest of our lives. The world's just not that way vocationally as much as anymore as it used to be. Mm, gotcha. Thank you. Well, tell me, Eric, is there anything else you really want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? No, I'm, I'm good. I feel good. <laughs> okay, good. Well, then let's kick it off. Tell me a favorite quote, something you find inspiring. Yeah, so college professor of mine, it's funny, it, it plays right off what we were just talking about. College professor of mine, it's his quote, and he said, wherever you are, be there. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, so his name is Jerry Pattengale and I mean, it was profound when I heard it. I'm like, Whoa. And uh -huh. 
it hit me. It's like, wait, so right here in class <laughs> where he's saying it, uh, I should be present here in class and be fully here and not worrying about what else is going on elsewhere. So, you know, now zip ahead 20 years plus and you've got all the FOMO, the fear of missing out and all those kinds of things. And it's like, yeah, we still really haven't gotten uh, that down yet. Mm-hmm. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? Well, so I just talked with uh, John Acuff and he has a brand new book out, which I love. It's called uh, Finish and it's giving yourself the gift of done. So it's all about finishing the goals that you set up for yourself. And he has done, I mean, he actually got a lot of research done from the book from uh, somebody who's doing like, I don't know, a PhD, something or other study. Anyway, and they wanted to do it on these 30-day goal groups that he was doing. It was actually 30 days of hustle. And uh-huh. <laughs> uh, which again, short period, 30 days. I'm going to hustle on this one thing for 30 days. Totally acceptable use of the word, by the way. Um, but he was saying, okay, you know, set up your goal, figure out what it is you're going to work on for these 30 days. And, and one of the, the most interesting things that uh, he found or was found from the, from the group was that uh, the people you would think when they start in on these 30 days, like what's the day that you think that most of them would quit working on their goals? How far did they get? Oh, well, my guess is four, day four. Okay, so you're you're being generous and it's actually day two. Okay. So as soon as the work starts, like they're realizing, oh, what did I get myself into? And you would think some of it would, I mean, my natural guess was maybe about halfway. And the reason is because as soon as they started off and they maybe kind of got off on the wrong foot or something, they quit because they felt like it had to be perfect. They had to make it every single day in the 30 days uh, perfect to accomplish the thing. When in fact, just making forward momentum, and this is the other thing he talks about, is uh, cutting your goal in half. Some people said, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. He's like, okay, cut it in half. And they're like, five pounds? All right. And then they ended up losing seven. Yeah. Oh, I like that. In, in consulting, that was often a key adage. Like, hey, if the client is not budging on your recommendation, make your requested sort of change and proposal smaller. And I think it's just perfect. You just keep shrinking it until your resistance is like, well, shoot, I could do that. Fine. Yeah. Awesome. And how about a favorite tool? You know, this is your chance. If you want to fire out all your favorite software things that everyone asks you about for you personally, you can do it or... Someone once mentioned they had an apple butter maker they liked, but a tool you like. Oh, wow. I'm going to go with, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I'm going with Focus at Will. Have you heard of that? Yes, I've used it before and I dig the tunes, although I had a little trouble, I don't know if it was my phone or, or what, making it kind of play smoothly without the hiccups. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one, I'm a lifetime member to Focus at Will. And by the way, I should probably explain what it is. Focus at Will is... It's not necessarily music. It's compositions uh, scientifically created to, but it does sound like music. So don't don't get me wrong. It's not just like bleeps and bloops. It is actual music, but it's composed to uh, eliminate the fight or flight mechanism in your brain. So again, this is another one of those things that I will pull up on my computer or on my phone. It's it's gotten way better than it used to. So I encourage you to try it again. And 
specifically with headphones. It always works better with headphones because it gives you that like, that nice soundscape inside your head. Then it, it, and it really works uh, with binaural type beats and everything like that. Uh, there is science behind this, trust me. And so what it does is then it allows you to then take a full hour or more at a time and really focus and actually stick to the task at hand much easier. Uh, if anybody wants to learn more, uh, you can check it out at Beyond the to-do list.com slash focus or it's focus at will. I forget which one it is. Try both those links. You'll find either the podcast where I had those guys on or the landing page for where you learn more about it. So go to both. Oh, great. And how about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that's effective? I right now am making sure that my workout clothes are downstairs right uh, as well as my keys and my wallet and my my workout shoes and all that stuff so that as soon as I get up I I do go hydrate in the kitchen I grab uh, my water bottle sit down drink that put my stuff on and then head right out the door first thing in the morning excellent and is there a particular you know nugget or piece that you share an Eric Fisher original quote that seems to really kind of connect and resonate with folks they're retweeting note taking etc my favorite quote that I, I have written of mine, I hope it's from me, I've always said it, uh, is good ideas come from many ideas. Oh, yes. So, you know, and that's not saying there's not bad ideas, but I think bad ideas can sometimes be combined with okay ideas and even mediocre ideas. Or you can, I mean, you can get a stew of different levels of ideas and bring all those, some, some components from some of them and then come up with a really awesome or great idea. But again, Good ideas come from many ideas, so you got to cultivate that uh, idea or brain, I don't know, dump or uh, brainstorming sessions as often as you can. And again, this is another reason why you want to have something like maybe an Evernote uh, or system like that where it's like, ooh, that's a great thought. Pull out phone or pad and just write it down and capture it. Mm, agreed. And Eric, if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Head on over to beyondthetodolist.com for the show and you can find all my other contact information there. Okay. And do you have a final challenge or parting call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? I would say take a look and write down what it is you're doing. Like catalog your time for a day or actually even more like a week and just write down, okay, I did this from this time to this time and this from this time to this time. And then outside of that, uh, sit and take 5, 10, 15 minutes and write down all the things that you are doing, you know, categorize them, all that kind of stuff. In other words, take stock, take a, take an inventory of your tasks for your job and then take a long, a long, hard look at them and say, okay, which ones of these do I really enjoy? Which ones of these do I don't think I need to do anymore? Or which ones of these can I delegate or uh, call into question with somebody above me or with a coworker and, and maybe see if we can swap or figure out a different way to, to approach these. I think that's the initial catalyst that starts to get things to be fun. Mm -hmm. I dig it. Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking this time and sharing your wisdom and expertise. This has been a ton of fun and I hope that you just keep rocking and rolling and crushing it with beyond the to-do list and, and all you're up to. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, I'm really enjoying it. Really appreciate Eric's insights, and I also really appreciate our sponsors. Check them out. I really resonated and dug the part about napping, and I would. Napping has come up a few times over the course of this show. And I just think it's so encouraging when high-achieving, high-performing, productivity, 
wise folks like Eric say that that's a key thing that he does and it makes a real difference for the energy and the rejuvenation and the subsequent productivity. And it's a winning strategy. It just makes me feel all the more wonderful and guilt-free about indulging and doing what it takes to rejuvenate. And I remember the call to action or the top tip that David Allen shared, a productivity maestro and authority himself back in episode 15 was just relax. So I think that's great advice to take to heart particularly if you find yourself in a hard charging, go, 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 achieve, do more, bigger list, got to get it all done kind of a place, that perspective on energy management, napping, rejuvenation, such a powerful one to keep close in mind. So again, if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced here, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep199. And I also hope you'll push subscribe if you haven't already. You'll hear from our next guest on episode number 200. Wow how the time has flown. Hundreds of guests, we could say now, as it uh, is at 200. And it's Anthony Chan. Anthony is talking about being good, moral, ethical, the power, the goodness, and the productivity, the results that flow from that, and how to get more of that in your interactions with people and your teams and management. Until next time, peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.